Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's a busy weekend. We've been racing uh, twice this week, actually. So You've been racing twice. I've been running alongside, we'll say. Yeah, we're in full swing of summer here. It's nice to have, uh, you know, we've been posting some of the clients, you know, out on podiums or finishing races or doing, we had an FKT on a couple of trails uh, for biking, actually, over the last a uh, week or so, so that was very exciting. It's nice to be posting about that stuff, and then I guess it's fun to be back racing. It's it's very hard. The first ones back were hard, so we're going to talk about that today. This is our, our topic for today is sort of the post-race review, and especially post-race review from some of these first events back, and, uh, and for some of us, you know, first seasons or first seasons back in a while. So uh, I think some new topics there and some sort of topical things for a lot of the athletes that we work with, and hopefully you, the listener as well. Uh, but you said we had some some listener mail or, or reader mail even. Yeah, yeah. I was super excited. Our good friend Isabel, who actually had an awesome question a few weeks ago, just sent me a photo of her uh, redesigned sort of gear hook bag system that I was in love with. I was so excited to see. So in our book, we talk a lot about sort of this gear organization and how you can save so much time as you're you know, we all know how long it takes to get out the door when you're trying to get ready for a ride and you have to find all your stuff and it's in 18 different places. And, you know, you have like the 10 pairs of bibs that like you absolutely hate and you're trying to dig for your favorite pair or, you know, just any of these things. You need to find the spare tube or the mini pump or, you know, your garment isn't charged, etc. Um, so I really like the idea of having things sort of pre-packaged into bags. It's almost like the the next level of like the layout your workout clothes before bed sort of thing. Mm. Um, and my, my personal favorite trick, and I don't know that this is exactly what she did, but my favorite thing to do is I'm a huge fan of, you know, constantly sort of editing down your wardrobe, both like in regular clothes, but also your cycling and running kit and all that jazz. Uh, but you know, a lot of the time the stuff is still in good shape when you, you look at it and you're like, ah, I haven't worn this in six months, but it still is in good shape. You don't really want to get rid of it because what if you need it? I, I struggle with that anyway. So what I've done is I actually have a couple gear bags. I'll use the old clothes that I, I'm kind of on the fence about keeping or old sneakers I'm on the fence about keeping, et cetera, and actually have a couple running bags. And I have, you know, one is at Peter's parents' house. One is in our van. So sort of wherever I am. I'm kind of ready to go for a run. So I like that idea as far as just keeping spares in your car. It's sort of that consummate athlete lifestyle idea, right? The ready for anything. Yeah, I think so. I think the the heart of this issue, I guess, was that you sort of have your different gear bags, maybe for running or riding or hiking or yoga or strength. Uh, and then that way you're able to get out the door quicker or and, and sort of run and go. And you're adding this extra layer of having backup things in common places that you or your friends may forget, you know, something that's related to running. I don't know if shoes are going to always transfer between friends, but at least, you know, if you forget one shoe, 
then you have that in the car. I tend to do for clients, uh, you know, I'll have try and have like a spare helmet. You know, ideally you wouldn't wear someone else's helmet, I guess. But, uh, you know, there's been many <laughs> thankful people who forget a helmet, right? And we've met somewhere. They've taken the time out of their day. Uh, so try and do that. Uh, and certainly I've saved myself a few times like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the crappiest thing for you would have to be to cancel a session because a client doesn't have a helmet. But well, I guess it's not the crappiest thing. But yeah, that's the... That would not be a good use of anyone's time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that's, we do that definitely for coaching. You know, I have sort of my different types of bikes. So even if you're a listener who's just a cyclist, just a cyclist, uh, you know, I have more of my, you know, coaching bag, separate pack. You know, it's a bigger pack. It has more first aid stuff. And then I have sort of more, my more like training racing pack. Uh, right. And I have sort of my, my road enduro, my flat pedal set up. And then, you know, so I have sort of try and do that. Ideally, I'd love to have multiple bikes like this too, but, uh, do sh- sw- switch some pedals back and forth too. Uh, but just making sure again, there's the pedals are in the right place when you need them and the tools that that trusty eight millimeter Allen key is there. So yeah. So thanks for that feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course we do have our book. We'll just plug that real quick, Becoming a Consummate Athlete. And we have a whole section on organization that I've been really excited that people seem to like. You know what? I'm going to say it seems to be one of the most popular parts of the book. I feel like we've now gotten feedback from a bunch of people that it's kind of changed the way that they're they're getting ready to go out and train and just making things a lot speedier. And we have a whole section in there about how to decide if you need to buy new gear. That is my personal favorite list of sort of questions to go through and Mm -hmm. think through as you're looking at that new bike or wheel set or whatever it is. Yes, all of the things. All right, well, let's get into this. So we we were saying a lot of people are getting into their first races back. Some some people are, this is their first races ever, you know, coming, you know, maybe they started or increased their cycling or their running or whatever sport during the pandemic and they are back racing. They're finally getting a chance to see what that's all about and test their fitness, right? So it's a little nerve wracking in some ways because you're, you know, coming back and maybe you did have big plans, you know, you've been training away or, or you have it's just nerve wracking because you haven't done it in, in a while. Yeah, and I think a lot of people came into this season just not knowing where they were going to stack up in the field because the field has changed in a couple of years. I mean, for some people, it's actually changed because they've maybe aged out of a, a field. Of yeah, I think uh, whether it's my, my older athletes or my younger athletes, yeah. we have you know some junior athletes who have had just missed their entire junior, which is sort of 16, 17, 17, 17 18, 17, whatever, 18, don't call me, it probably depends uh, if we're talking about cyclocross or not or what time your birthday is, but... Uh, they sort of all of a sudden are grown <laughs> adults, you know, they're racing people who are, you know, quote unquote pro or elite uh, and they just miss that sort of on ramp uh, here. So it's tough. Right. And then on the flip side, I have people who have you know jumped and now they're in the 50 cat. They're the young guns in the 50 to 55 or something. Right. Yes. I was actually just chatting with someone yesterday at the race that Peter did about how they're contemplating cyclocross worlds because now they're in that uh, the young side of the category right, this right. year. So it's much more tempting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, no matter no matter what age you are, you could have aged into a different category, and or you know you're just not sure what everyone else has been up to. And I think especially in our smaller communities, you know, on in Ontario, for example, you sort of know who you're going to line up next to. Like when you even did this little weekly race on Thursday, you knew exactly who the guys at the top were or at the front of the field were. Um, but what you didn't know is where they, w- what level they were racing at right now. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and again, there's uh, one of the young lads there who I, I know because we ride with, with the provincial program, right? But he's, you know, wouldn't have been riding with us two years ago now and he was right up there, right? He's a so, foot taller now. Yeah, so. exactly, right? And he's had some great race experience even over this last these last couple of years, right? So he's come and then whereas, you know, some of the other guys have been working more or had life changes or have gotten, as you say, you know, that extra year or two older, right? Where they're just not on it quite as hard. So this evolves, right? And so this is how, how do we deal with this yet still race and, and still enjoy it? All right. So when we're talking about race results in general, I think the first thing I want to start with is just this idea. I've heard you mention a couple times to people that other people are allowed to get better and your fitness shouldn't depend on other people's fitness or other people's race results. That's right. They're not static. Yeah, exactly. The world doesn't, I guess it's like the, the earth, is it the earth or the sun doesn't just revolve around us? It sort of does, I guess, but the oh idea dear. that everyone's moving around, right? Yes. Right. Um, so what this made me think about, I guess, in my, my own racing life is a couple of years ago, I was doing this 50K trail run and I had won it outright. So I won like men's and women's. And then I was you know, just standing around waiting for a podium. And the guy who had driven with the guy who eventually got the men's overall came up and he's like, oh man, I can't wait to drive home with this guy. Thank you for beating him. It's going to be hilarious. And I was taken aback because I mean, A, like, yeah, sort, sort of a weird sort thing of to say. Yeah. Uh, but B, it also was just like, so his, his fitness, his performance in the race, even though he actually won the men's overall, technically, uh, his performance in the race is only valid sort of in the context of my fitness, which doesn't make any sense at all. Because, I mean, in that case, why would any of us ever, ever race? Mm -hmm. I think for masters as well, you know, adult athletes, most of our listeners, you and I, you know, there's a lot of different things that just ebb and flow over a year, over a, you know, certainly a lifetime, but like a series of years, right? People have kids, you have teachers are at school and then all of a sudden they're off all summer, right? So it's, you see that all the time in the mountain bike racing locally here is that, you know, the, the teachers get off school, they put in a couple weeks of training and then all of a sudden for the last three races of the year, they're, you know, going full gas, right? And they're, they just didn't have time to train before that, right? And there's all sorts of examples like that accountants and parents, you know, one time or the other, you know, the kids are away at camp or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So I think we all sort of know that being results focused as far as your goal setting goes is not necessarily the best way to set goals. But I think we can't help but start comparing ourselves to how other people did in the race. Uh, you know, that's why I actually just put that article up on consummateathlete.com. interesting, though, like as you say that, it, it almost makes me realize that like you're saying two things. There's a result but then they're also comparing to other people. So to me, I, and I haven't talked about this in a while to, to people, but it, it doesn't really matter. You know, you're, you know who you race a lot of times. If you're racing in these series, you start to know people, which is good. That's part of why we're racing. But if you're trying to win the race, that's one thing. But if you're trying to beat another person, that's a completely different thing. You might have to beat that person to win the race, right? But if you're only queuing off of being in front of them and you're in front of them, what what's what are you going to do you're probably going to back off a little bit right whereas if you see them or they get in front of you the second they get in front of you you're going to give up because you suck right uh you don't actually <laughs> suck by the way that's that's peter 
saying what this you is would what your this is what your self talk's going to be, right? You see it in people. They're riding along. They're riding along, and then their arch enemy. You know, they pass them, and then they're twenty percent worse in one climb. You know, they just gave up two minutes in a one minute climb. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. So th- we have to be careful because queuing it off. Like I have my arch nemesis, I have a few. Uh, you know, again, you have the people that you normally are around, and, and that you know, there's an average there. So that is on in general what we would expect, uh, and to expect different would almost be irrational. I remember when I was racing on the track very briefly, and the women's track really really only had five riders, and we every race would end up in the exact same order. And I have to wonder if we'd ever like raced anyone else, how it would have shaken out because I think we were so cued off of each other Mm -hmm. that we had no choice but to finish in that order because to finish in any other order just made no sense to us. Mm -hmm. So we all naturally gravitated into that. Right. So I think, you know, not all of us, all of us are, are necessarily winning a race, but I think we're trying to put together a good race. Right. And I think that's, this is the idea of like, did you do everything you could to have the best race you could? Right. And, and if you know your discipline, then you, you should have an idea of what a, a, a quote unquote perfect race or a good race would look like for you. Right. There's a lot of things that are pretty controllable as far as your pacing, uh, fueling, mechanical stuff, you know, choice of bike and tires and that sort of thing sometimes play into that. And then there's tactics, which includes, I guess, pacing, but you know, this could be drafting or when you make a move or don't make a move or how you go up a climb. There's a lot of things that can play into that, right? So really it's almost like a lifelong pursuit or however long you're going, a career long pursuit to put together like a good solid race, right? And and what I usually see, you know, we just had a big slew of uh, post-race comments come through in Training Peaks, which is good. Kudos to all the clients that got their comments in there quickly after the race. You know, there's a lot of usually it's what the stuff we did wrong uh, is what we sort of key in on versus the things we do right, which I think we should, you know, recognize the things that went really well so we can do those things more. Uh, and then those points of improvement are those points of learning, I think are, are interesting and things we can definitely take into account. In some cases, they will be, you know, little pieces of the puzzle that help us go faster in the next one. And I really want to hone in on that idea of writing down the things you did well, whether you're putting in the comments and training peaks or after every race or big run I do, I just have a sheet in my journal where I'm just sort of writing down. First, I brain dump just how it went, everything I can think of, mm-hmm. which, you know, I take five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, just dumping out everything that happened. And then I start thinking about, yeah, what did I do right? And why was it right? What worked? Did I carry something really smart? Uh, Was I really on, you know, on it with taking electrolyte capsules or actually, you know, ate every hour? Uh, All of those things. And I think if we don't write them down, we definitely forget them. Especially Mm -hmm. when you're talking about the small stuff, like how you drank and how you ate. And even even socks. Do you know how many times I have worn this one pair of terrible socks that always gives me blisters because I've never thought to write down which socks worked well? Right, right. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this doesn't have to be in training peaks. This could be in a little journal, right? Like every it's your race journal and you and you write out your pre-race plan. We've talked about this before. Yes, and actually if you want an excellent example of it, if we'll maybe put it in the show notes, uh, over on Shred Girls, the one young rider I worked with does the best 
pre and post race notebook. Mm-hmm. It was the most impressive thing I have ever seen in my life. And, from and a nice a thing, if you accumulate years of this, um, the journal that I had, um, I'm trying to remember who we were talking about this with. We, I have like, you know, Tromblon, 2011, Tromblon, 2012, Trom- right in the course is similar. And it's like things I was grumpy about and mistakes I made with tires and tire pressure. And, uh, you know, was I tired? Was I not tired? What was the weather? And so these are things that you can refer back to. And just in this last race weekend, I actually referred a couple clients back to their own. I was like, I think you answered this question last year in your comments. Just stick to your plan and like listen to yourself last year. I think this is like you're asking yourself the same questions. And we all do this, right? It's a cycle, right? That we we just keep repeating. And this is what we're saying is you're probably doing a decent job of the thing, you know, especially if you're finished, you did some things right. Let's keep doing those. And then if it was like, hey, dummy, you ran too high a tire pressure and you flatted like I did this weekend. (laughs) I really want to challenge everyone right now. If you did a race and you plan on doing it again next year, please either write it down or video yourself, record a message for future you and then put it put a link to it in your Google Calendar or whatever oh, calendar nice. you use yeah. Yeah. so that that way next year the day before the race you go in and you have this like message from your past self to tell you yeah, what you be, need to remember it'd be an easy way to do it in Google Calendar actually you could then just you know type in Tromblon in this case um, apologies for my french and you know it would all of them would pop up right mm-hmm. yeah all the race dates and so just just throwing it out there. Leave a message for future you about what you wish you had known going into it. I mean, we have the technology, people. This is actually a really easy thing to do. Well, so there's a lot of not? ways to do it, right? It's just sort of deciding how you're going to keep these organized and, and be able to use them, right? And that's the idea. Sometimes people don't connect comments to like why we're doing it, right? And it's this reflection. I did a bunch of things well. This is where I am, you know, sh- uh, you know, what can I improve on? What did I learn? You know, this is something I learned. Uh, and then I think the, is, is that, do we go to what, what we want to do next now or is that almost? Yeah. Okay. I just want to come back to one thing we actually said and kind of went over or glossed over was the idea that other people are allowed to get better. And I think this is one that's very frustrating this year because we haven't necessarily seen people for almost, you know, two years easily. Right. Uh, and this is at every level. I mean, I've seen it a ton in the track uh, as I'm doing the Olympic coverage for bicycling. The track racers barely had a season last year. They barely had a season this year. And suddenly they're at the Olympics. So it's been a crazy year for track. It was a weird Olympics for track. And part of that was because they hadn't really raced each other that much. So people didn't really know what to expect. And I think... You could see it in some of the riders and, you know, I read a few comments after the fact and everything where I think they, there were some riders who were actually a little mad or disgruntled that other riders had basically gotten better in the past two years. Right. But I mean, that's the sport. That's that's what we're here for. It would happen in a normal set of year or two, right? Sure. But even this last year, you know, people will handle it differently and had positives in their life, more time or less time. Yeah. Interestingly, you know, the French team, because the Olympics 2024 are in Paris, the French team elected to send a lot of really young riders for the track this year, basically trying to season them for 2024. So those riders are going to get a lot better by Paris 2024 and that's the long game that the country is playing 
Um, so yeah, I think just remembering that just as you want to get better, there's a lot of other people listening to this podcast or listening to other podcasts or doing their training or whatever who also want to get better. Mm -hmm. And and they're allowed to, and we should embrace that and tell them they're awesome and high-five them at the finish and all that uh, instead of feeling like we're less than because they've also gotten better. And, and I think what happens to you, you see this, you know, there'll be ebb and flows over the course of a, especially a long race. But I think even, you know, my most my race is usually around 90 minutes for an XCO mountain bike race. And you just have these different feelings. I, I always say if I don't feel like I need to quit on the first lap, I didn't go hard enough on the first lap. And that's the way XCO is paced. It's very irrational, as I like to say, on the first lap. And then I, I figure it out. You keep going, you recover and you get back on pace and you recover a bit and then you're, you're going. That said, you know, I almost wish that people before you knew the results or you saw your friend and they, you know, they're already changed into their clothes and, you know, you didn't feel bad about yourself. How did that feel, right? This is our classic workout. It's the smiley faces and sad faces and training peaks. Like, did you feel good today? Like about as good as you could have expected, right? Like out of all the days on your bike, did we time that, you know, we could call it a peak. Did you feel pretty good? Especially if you don't race looking at the clock the entire time. I think this is a, such a good exercise of, yeah, how am I feeling right now? Do I feel like I left it all out there? Do I feel mm -hmm. bummed about something? And that's fine too. You're allowed to not. Because I think that's interesting. So like if you're feeling tired coming, you know, from pedal stroke one and it didn't really get better throughout the day, then that's interesting stuff that you, we could we could change, right? It might be a bit more training earlier and then tapering down more. You know, it, it can vary, right? But it might be a lot of times it's we're just trying to cram too much into that week ahead. Uh, there could be just too much time on feet because of life. It might be, you know, some fueling issue too, or sleep. It could be any of these factors, right? But that's interesting. You don't necessarily want to go into a race that has nothing to do with other people. If you felt tired, you felt tired. If you're feeling good and you just are off the pace, then again, we just got to, we keep training, right? <laughs> that might be part of it. Um, but we want to assess how did you feel, right? Cause that, that does sort of triangulate to do what we do next. The other thing I like to just check, you know, and we do this on every workout. This is the other thing you can do in training peaks. It always asks you, how do you feel? And then how hard was this workout, right? Again, these are workouts, these are races, these are tests. Um, how hard was it, right? Scale of one to 10. I think sometimes we need to try, you know, sort of triangulate and, and sort of establish that range. But I would say most times with the race, we want that race to be pretty hard. I would say it should be approaching that 10 out of 10. Um, usually if I have some sort of like, you know, I'm cramping or I'm really blown, you know, I, I use the phrase blown at the end. Uh, like yesterday you were like, how are you? You know, we were uh, hanging around afterwards and I was like, I, I don't know, <laughs> not, not great here. Just sort of, you know, you're laying on the couch, right? You're not super functional. That's, that's probably a 10, right? If you're, you're cramping or digestive issues or if you've, anything's failed, you know, body system wise failed, right? It's not, not even mentioned post Iron Man in that case. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the next day sort of informs that a bit too, but you know, it collapsing at the finish line or, or this thing, if it's just the hardest thing, you know, one of the hardest races you've done, or it feels like it, right? If you've raced a lot of times, it's hard to say that. But I would say, you know, if you're starting to get cramps or something's, you know, you're starting to fade, that's approaching something like a 10 out of 10. And flip side, it's also okay to be honest with yourself and your comments here to say that was a five out of 10. And that's, that's, easy to work on for next time, but it can be really tricky. I, I definitely, when I started doing ultras, I would say I was finishing 
six or seven out of ten because I just didn't really know exactly how to pace myself for them. So I'd yeah, need too much in the tank. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, we sort of were talking about that and you were saying you, you were the sprint in the last like... Yeah, you know, I'm that jerk. 50 meters. And I was like, well, you probably should start sprinting sooner than that in, in a, an endurance race. But that's the idea. Yeah. So if you're saying you're underpaced, then it probably wasn't a 10. But then a lot of people, like if you actually think through this, like, did you actually have more to give? And then why didn't you or where should you have have done that? Right. Was it earlier? Was it throughout the whole thing? Like maybe your heart rate, maybe if you're using a heart rate limit or something, um, maybe you weren't doing that. And maybe but we why? are back to that, back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the idea of completing to compete you know what, maybe the first time you did a thing that you've yeah. never done before, it was a six out of 10 well, because you just didn't know. And, and it's funny, like I would say Iron Man got really hard, but I would say a lot of it was boring. Part of my goal for the day was to just be bored through the bike um, after I got out of the, the swim because that was terrifying. But I was uh, going to say. <laughs> after that, I just put in the time on the bike, right? And tried to just really stay bored was the word I was using. But my goal was to also be functional afterwards, right? And that's not the same as if, it, if I had some you know, goal to be the best Ironman in my first Ironman ever, like that's going to require a lot more effort, right? And, and I would expect I would probably collapse at the finish line. But that wasn't what I wanted to do, right? So I think, again, you could use a nine for that. That's fine. And, and that recognizes you could have gone deeper if this was the world championships of the Wednesday night <laughs> races, right? Uh, and that's okay too. But when we do say, okay, we could have gone harder. I want to go harder. If the goal was to go harder and, and finish really hard, then we want to make sure we're, we're sort of recognizing where that would happen and what that involves. And then again, we can start practicing that, right? Cause all that is, is an interval, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get used to feeling in an endurance race. It's just feeling what 90% feels like, right? It's when you're breathing a little more, the breathing rate comes up, which is uncomfortable in a long race. And a lot of people don't practice that. Mm-hmm. So in a post-race quick journal kind of thing, what are things that you wish athletes would write down? Well, I think we've covered a lot of these, right? The, how did you feel? How hard was it? What went right? And then what did you learn? We like to phrase it like that, right? You could say what went badly, what went poorly. Um, but these are the, the few things. And it's often better just to pull one or two, right? We don't need to solve all of the things you know, especially if you're just starting out more on this idea of we're completing these races. So you've got another race finished. Great. What's, what did we learn that we can do better and get another percent in this next one? Right. And if we do 20 races in the next five years, you'll, you'll be a pro, you'll be all ready to go, but we're just accumulating that. Right. What are the little things I'm trying to think one client said they stopped for a fast food takeout breakfast en route to the race and his gut was off. I think he had to do three bathroom stops. So it's hilarious because I was sort of waiting for you to stop talking because I really wanted to say, I wish people would write down their bathroom situation in the morning more often and during the race and just how that, how that all shakes out. Right. Uh, because I think that's one of those things that frankly, we cast a veil over after the race. We just kind of forget about that morning porta potty situation and kind of move on from that but that's a huge thing if you can figure out what breakfast is going to make everything feel much smoother and much better heading it into is, the race it is possible yeah i think for runners you know there's a bit of a, a training process there but i think there's also choices you make in the the lead up that can help with that and again everybody's different um but i would say having been like that with especially running and now i rarely have any issues and i think a lot of it is just not changing up your routine once you figure out the routine. Mm -hmm. There's probably a little bit of like stress anxiety. So you got to be careful with your gut in the morning of the race. And it's just learning what 
agrees with you and doesn't resolve, especially for cycling. Like I, I don't like people stopping if we can avoid it very much. Obviously the race gets long enough at some point you do have to stop. Um, and you can define when, when that is, but we want to really be organized with that. Right. So, cause those zero kilometer an hour, like nothing drops the, the overall average speed for sure. Uh, like stopping completely. Yeah. So I, there's that, I think. The other thing I was thinking about was, uh, tires and tire pressure are sort of your obvious one for cyclists, uh, and any other gear considerations. You and I actually had a really long conversation about this yesterday because you had a flat on your race and luckily you had two CO2s, you had a tube, you actually had to tube your tubeless tire, yes. which is and a plugs. very, tried plugs, didn't work. You know, it's a long process, but very sad. we said the one thing that might've actually saved you time would have been if you just carried a small tire lever. And now Peter does not like no. tire levers. I will just, I will tell everyone that he hates them, doesn't like using them. And for the record, did not need it. <laughs> but in this case, wasted a lot of time. What I was kicking myself was these, usually my tires and rims, I, I don't necessarily select them this way, but often, you know, hat tip to Bontrager, I guess, and an advertisement. They've just, they always are pretty easy to get on once, you know, once you get them on. Uh, and they flip on and off in that case. But these ones were tighter going on for whatever reason. And I sort of thought about it and I was like, that would be a pain in the butt to change in the middle of a race. And of course had to do it. Right. So in hindsight, like my, my strategy for this race was I was riding a mountain bike in a gravel race, which was a little bold. Uh, so I really wanted to take advantage of it on some of the more off road, like closed road segments and flatted. So knowing I, I should have anticipated that part of the strategy might involve a very fast change and been more prepared for that. Uh, probably I could have just backed it off a little bit and <laughs> well, <laughs> would yes. have been okay, but there so you two go. notes you needed to make to yourself. It's been there. a while. It's been a while. Uh, yes. Yeah, so where are we going with that? That was things that were improving. Yeah. Just things that were recording. Things recording. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'd like to hear when, you know, a little bit more about just the day, right? So this person who stopped for the breakfast, who did you come with? You know, we, we talk about the who, what, where, when, why, how it's, it's really like, I actually like it more. I like to hear more about the workouts, honestly, than race day, because I think it's not really that much different for the most part. Mm -hmm. I do think weather is also important for race day, because I think we tend to forget what the weather was the year before. And sure. either we're so excited on the bright side, we're so excited that we've improved our time by 20 minutes in the next year. It's just cooler. Out. It's just cooler. Out. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Or and a good flip wind. Side, good it's, wind. It's hotter and your time just goes to crap because right. it's way hotter. It's really nice if you can sort of look back and see year over year what it was, you know, just because I think it makes you feel better about your training and your evolution if you can look and see, oh, it's not necessarily that I was slower, it's that it was 15 degrees warmer or mm. even putting into context where you're at because I think there's a lot of people who are like, ah, yeah, I like barely trained this year and then I was 20 minutes faster. But again, it just turned out that it, the weather was just better for that event yeah so I, I guess that would fit under like what right what what were the conditions mm -hmm. right so that does you know if it was pouring rain and muddy that's obviously going to be slower there's going to be challenges with the drivetrain you know did you bring some lube uh to re you know you might have to redo the chain um 
you know, the wind can be a factor. So I like to hear, you know, were people using an arrow position, you know, were they using the drops, you know, it gets, it doesn't have to be a story. Like some of this stuff gets way off into the weeds and should be, you know, what was the most limiting one or two things and we can go from there. But the, you're right. That's definitely a, a factor when we're looking at, at what happened on race day, right? Cause that might be a sign that you need to work on cooling and what you wear and how you drink. And maybe you have to add salt to some water and this sort of stuff if you struggle in the heat. Mm-hmm. And I think actually that goes very nicely into the next point about setting any kind of time-based goals and how that's that can be really problematic because, as we just said, the same event year over year could be totally different. It's why a lot of Olympic Games don't see world records getting set because the conditions are not conducive to it, despite the fact that it's the freaking Olympics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what are your thoughts, you know, when an athlete comes to you with, I want to do Leadville is a really good one. Leadville in particular is a tough one because it actually has time cut off. So everyone gravitates towards these, I want to come in at 11.45 or mm-hmm. 8.45 to come under 9 and 12. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think usually the rule of thumb is like completing is good. We like to finish things. I've always been pretty adamant that we don't like quitting. So we like to be ready to fix our flats. Young rider this year or this week at the weekly race, I had to give him an Allen key, right? He was doing quite well, but then he had to do something to his bike. He would have DNF'd, but he wasn't carrying an Allen key because it's, it's heavy or something. Right? It's you like, should have no. not given it to him. It's a learning experience. I, I, don't, I don't know which one's more hard, right? Is it harder to like DNF and say that, you know, your chain got stuck or whatever? Or is it harder to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> I had to take this Allen key. I don't know. I mean, it happens to anyone, right? I have no problem lending Allen keys. Uh, but that's that's it, right? This was a, a learning experience, hopefully, uh, to take away. So time. Time. Time goals. Where right. are we at? Sorry. So time goals. I think you want to have, you know, in any of these bucket list races that are fairly stable across time. Now, number one, a lot of them aren't stable across time for all the reasons you just mentioned around weather and wind and who's in the race and what tweaks they made to the course. So there's going to be variability year to year. So I wouldn't like hang my hat on it, but some of these ones definitely have nine hours and 12 hours or whatever the thing is to get your fancy belt buckle. Especially in cycling. I hadn't really thought about that until you just said it. In these endurance events where riders tend to be pretty spaced apart, if you can be with someone for the race and just have someone to draft back and forth it's with, huge. that's a huge change to your race. Or you could just be out there in no man's land by yourself for 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Lightball especially is there's a lot of drafting in it, especially if the wind comes up. There's it's a very hilly race, but there's definitely some long stretches there where if you can be in a bit of a group, uh, they go by much quicker for sure. So what we talked about before we started recording is the idea that it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a time goal. It's a bad thing to have a time goal that you've just arbitrarily set without any thought behind it about how fast do you need to go to hit that time goal? Mm -hmm. Are you going that fast in training? Are you going that fast in training in comparable conditions? Mm -hmm. Are you going that fast in training for a comparable length of time? You know, what what is saying that that is a reasonable goal that you could achieve? And I think a lot of people, I know I did this with Iron Man. You just kind of say, I want to go sub 12. I want to go sub 11. Yeah, and you it's have like a no- lofty, lofty, it's an outcome goal, right? That's all it is. And so the outcome goal, the problem with that is always, it's very hard to do, take any action in a moment in training or in moment during the race, especially 
aside from when you see it slip away because you didn't make a time cut. Um, you know, you're only at 50 miles and you're at eight hours or something and, and you were trying to make the nine hour. It's pretty obvious, right? You didn't make it. And even the math with that stuff doesn't always, it's especially in a longer distance race, it's never going to be perfectly even. I don't know which way it goes in Leadville as far as the front half and the back half, mm. but uh, we were talking about with LaCloche, with the FKT that I had just tried for in June, even though at the halfway point, we were still right around the halfway time that I'd wanted, the halfway point, you're nowhere near, it's going to be a lot harder to to finish in that same amount of time. So if you hit halfway at half of the time, you're probably not going to make it in the time that you want. Mm-hmm. Which is tricky because you start getting into overpacing and then actually fading so hard that you don't actually, you know, you actually cost yourself a lot more. So it, it is tricky. So that's where knowledge of the race and knowledge of yourself and your pacing. Uh, but I like your idea of, of backing it out and saying, okay, I'm going to do about a seven hour Leadville. It's a very elite if I do say myself, so myself, um, Canadian record. And, and I think that's approximately a 24.3 or something kilometers per hour average speed. So you could start seeing, okay, if I go ahead and do like my long tempo workouts or whatever you call them, you know, what is that looking like? Right. Am I doing it on my mountain bike with the race fueling? You know, I'm probably not at altitude, but maybe you're at altitude. Um, you know, what does that look like? At least you're trying to like work towards that. And I think that sets at least a mental expectation of the speed and the effort that you're going to have to put out to do that. Right. I think if you haven't ever trained at that effort and that speed, you're going to go in and have no idea how that feels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not to say you do that year round, right. But certainly in those more specific periods, you'd start chipping away at that. Right. And that I think would inform it. Uh, whether it's realistic, right? And and so you have a race result that said, okay, last year you were, I think we were trying to do quick math on this earlier, but 10 hours, now you want to go under nine hours. Let's call that 10%. I don't know if that math works. So you have to get about 10% better. That's the other way I've done that in the past. And that could be whatever you want, right? That could be your ability to get into an aero position or you maybe get your aerodynamics uh, assessed. Uh, Maybe that's your power at FTP if you want to do it that way. Uh, just any of these things can you get 10% better and 10% better, right? Can we drop your rolling resistance? Can we drop, you know, any of these things, right? To try and make that r- race go smoother. If technical was a limiter, it's not really at Leadville, but it could be for someone, right? If they don't descend super fast, you know, you can trim 10% off of a descent. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's how we've done it, which is maybe simpler math than that trying to like ride at exactly the the pace. But But I think that's you're right that it's it's often we're thinking about this whatever the race time is going to be that's our, our big outcome goal but we're not really thinking through how that's going to look for the you know months ahead of it yeah exactly so i think that's my my thought on time goals now for for your athletes how do you approach the what do you want out of this race other than the completing clean race and I know you tend to have sort of that A and B goal and the B goal is almost always just to have a complete, complete I've combined them, uh, complete and clean race. I think that's a good way to do it. I think a lot of people talk about that, right? They're sort of, you know, finishing or is often sort of that B or C. It's still a good day. You could f- phrase it this way. There's like good days, great days and stretch days or something. Um, and so you sort of roll out and you're sort of thinking about, okay, you know, we're on, we're just you know, maybe pacing appropriately, fueling appropriately. These are the uh, process goals, right? That we're, you know, going through the process of, I know I want to fuel this way at this increment of time at this point in the race. 
pacing. Maybe you have a feeling or a heart rate you're trying to, you know, pace based off of, I think for more aggressive races, you know, you might actually be trying to be in a position, right? It might actually be quite tactical and, and be irrational. As I say, uh, you know, you want to be in the lead group into the first single track. That's goal number one, right? And you can have a plan for when that doesn't happen, but some of these races, you have to be in the position to, to, to reach that goal. If the goal is to be going for the win, it, like check mark number one is, can you come around, you know, the first corner in the, in the group and then in the first lap in the group. And I think a lot of people don't think through that, right? I know plenty of people who the goal is to win, but then they don't break it into what do the smaller tactics that most races include to win. Right. And it might be similar to your thing that you're breaking this overall time goal into, okay, can you get 10 miles into Leadville on pace? Well, no. Okay. Well then that's probably not an outcome goal that I would set because that's going to be disappointing, right? Like what, what is it? You know, it's probably finishing again, but it might be, you know, maybe there's a finish time approximate we're going to go after. Ooh, I think actually for me, the tactical one is my short lived crit racing career. Right. Uh, tactically speaking, it's not a great idea to be out in front when you're like half a kilometer from the finish and you're leading the pack into the finish. It might well, feel guess, real unless good. Unless you're you like the lead be. out person. Yeah. Not when you're a bad lead out person. Right. <laughs> like yours truly. They call you roadblock. Uh, feels real good in the moment, but tactically, that's a terrible idea. And if I'd actually backed out what winning a crit race looked like, mm-hmm. I would have thought through what that finish looked like, but I didn't. In my head, I was just like, ah, oh, I want to win this race. Well, I mean, at least you got to that point in the race, right? Some people get so excited about all the tactics that they're not actually in the end of the race, right? They got blow off, blown off in the, the first corner. I get blown off in every corner. Let's okay. make that very clear. Okay. Uh, but I just go hard enough to get back on. Um, but yeah, just breaking down a crit race, a mountain bike race, any of those things, what typically mean, what typically gets you the win? And, and we've, you know, there's, it's almost become a cliche that the, you know, I don't want to say elite athletes, but you see this with athletes where it's not the results I was expecting or, you know, I, I you know, and, and it's just what results in some cases you wonder like what results and why were you expecting that? And I think we can ask ourselves this, like what basis do we have to expect that, you know, you're going to win this criterium if you're, if you've never made it around on the first lap in the criteria, you've never been at the front of a criterium. Let's, let's break that down and say, okay, well, what is the first step to that? Let's make it around for one lap. Right. And, and there's a lot of practice goals within that, you know, where our local down in the city, they just started back up the like learn to crit race. Right. I wanted to actually go to it. Uh, just some work schedule wise. And I've crit raced, but I'm like, that. what a great thing. Get in there and someone's going to teach you how to pack ride. Riding a bike would also have been a, a plus for me on in that case. But well, practicing. Right. Right. And, neither and, here nor there. So this is this is tough. Right. And this is sometimes I wonder when I see these like and watch for it. You'll see it on social media and whatever. It's just not the results I was expecting. And it's like, well, why were you expecting that? So in some cases, it. it's like, OK, well, you won a gold medal before you were hoping to be a medal contender. But we want to make sure we're checking ourselves on. Are we doing the, all the little steps in training lifestyle and then also on race day? you know, the tactical stuff, the actual stuff, like, are we checking off these boxes? And you need to give yourself time to do this, right? If this is your first race, you're allowed to just complete the race. And I think this leads nicely into, I think the last point we really wanted to mention is coming back to that myth of stress. Uh, We had Andrew Bernstein on to talk about his new book, 
and now I'm breaking the stress cycle. Right. Uh, and he has a great worksheet exercise, however you want to call it, for thinking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, all these are stressful statements, right? It's fine. Some people just, you know, post their post-race results. Wasn't my best day. You know, screwed up on this. Need to go harder on the first lap. Back to the grind. Right? And sometimes I draw out a little bit more commentary because I want to know a bit more, again, if we're designing training or whatever. But some people are legitimately stressed and like for weeks can't move on to that next block back to the grind right uh, and we don't just move back to the grind and you know sometimes people that's why I challenge people sometimes is we want to make sure that we do adjust the training so that we do get better and fix whatever the thing was and get again a little bit better but we don't we shouldn't be this shouldn't be keeping us up at night right and that's where i think things like this myth of stress are really good so we're saying i should have won the race Right. If you're saying you had expected a better result. Now, I huge. I have both copies. I think I have electric, or electric, electric, electronic, not electric. This is not a guitar. So I have several copies of this book. I really do like I've used it in the last couple of weeks here. And it just when something like this pops up, so this person should not do this thing. Then you look at it. There's seven steps. It's much more than this. But and then you sort of turn it around as one of the steps where you say, I should in reality at this time. Sorry. In reality, I should not win the race this race at this time right so i just did this race on the weekend there would be you know some expectation that maybe i would be among the leaders but you know what i haven't done a race over 90 minutes and we couldn't even remember the last race i did over 90 minutes um you know i was on a mountain bike you did that to yourself (laughs) (laughs) so there's a lot of reasons where like because i had you know you have that moment you're like oh I could have won. I could have been with them, right? But that wasn't really even the goal I set for the day. Actually, to the note of time goals, we should mention this. Peter had a goal of doing around four hours as his... Yeah, like I was telling you to be at the finish around four. I'm going to come blazing in. (laughs) Yeah, so he finished in 340, which is 20 minutes under his goal, despite the flat tire, despite not winning the race. A very far off the win of the race. But Noah won, so Noah's good. He's a consummate athlete, so he won. There we go. Shout out to Noah. But really, my point being, your time goal wasn't even... Was very mis... Yeah, I didn't... I I really... I got the goal I wanted, didn't I? Yeah, good job, buddy. (laughs) So that's it. So, I mean, those are sort of comical ones and, and really aren't a big deal, right? But the other piece of this that is probably more applicable to other people, you know, certainly there was an equipment factor um, and my strategy, like I flatted, right? And this was a line choice and just being too aggressive. So there's a couple different things around tactics there that might apply. But we're also coming out of a pandemic and my whole strategy during this whole pandemic was to stay on the, you know, the, the more relaxed uh, minimum effective dose side of this inverted U, right? We had a lot going on. Work's been very busy. And I just haven't been training that much, right? Like this is probably my second ride over four hours in probably the last year and a half or, you know, maybe there's a couple more, but not many. So you should not have won the race at this time. That, that's it, right? And I think if a, a lot of us think through reasons, at first you're going to be like, well, this is bullshit. Sorry. Um, the, we, we, you're going to think, oh, well, no, that's not true. Right. And this is one of the steps is you have to assess how, how true you think this is. Or if you're me, you're going to feel like you're rationalizing in a bad way. Or right. in a, No, we're not making excuses. Yeah. But we're trying to come up with, okay, Peter, if this is what you actually want to do, maybe you should train like an elite cyclist, right? Versus trying to just be a hack and, and you know, hack your way through it. Right. This is real. But that's the reality, right? It's like this is a serious like thing you're asking your body to do. Right. For a lot of people, it would be 
have you ever done a gravel race? Have you climbed this much, right? I'm really picking on this gravel race we just had go on, but it was very, there was 1800 meters, which can you put that into uh, a lot? Plus? Yeah. Times, times it by three, right? So we're, what is that? 50? Like 6,000 meters. Okay. Uh, 6,000 feet, give or take. But, yeah. I think it's more than that. That's just horrible math. Horrible math. Nine times six, 54. <laughs> I think that's less than what I just <laughs> said. You dummy. Uh, there you go. Ken graduate. Uh, so all that to say, maybe you need to climb more, right? A lot of times people jump when it's hilly race, you know, they might think, oh, it's like a body weight thing, right? But it's often, you know, we want to look critically at the actual preparation we've done before we start criticizing our body or, or something like that, right? Often it's just we haven't given our body a chance to get good at the thing, right? So that might be racing more or training more in that particular way, if that's the type of thing you want to get good at, right? Not everyone wants to get good at climbing hills. So you have to be careful what you ask for. I think that's actually maybe the point to end on is coming back to that thing that we've said a billion times, ask yourself, is this even a goal that I wanted to get to? Because it might be that gravel racing wasn't the thing for you. Maybe you don't like 100K races. That's not really fun for you. Uh, maybe it is. I don't really know how you're This one was about close it. enough to a mountain bike race that I think I got through. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, and I think we need to ask ourselves that more often instead of defaulting to how can I improve for the next one? Also, do I want to improve is maybe the last question mm-hmm. you should be asking. Yep, do you that, actually? One of my favorite posts that I've written is that uh, can you prepare for the goal that you've set and do you want to? Right. That's sort of the things we want to want to look at. Right. So I think that's the idea when you're, we're coming out and it, it just seems like an overly negative race. And though these happen. Right. My flat almost didn't get fixed. I almost had to phone Molly to come pick me up. Wouldn't have come picked him up. And well, my carbon rims would have been in trouble. Um, but that's that's the idea. Right. Some days there's just it's not your day. Right. For whatever reason. Some days we wake up and we just, you know, wrong side of the bed and it just doesn't go well. Some days we get blown out of the water. The competition's just so good. Uh, the body is a crazy thing, right? And that's that's okay. This is all learning, right? We learn from these these races. And I think that's the important thing that we pull out a couple of positives. You know, I kept going even though I felt really crummy. I persisted. Uh, you know, maybe there was a technical section that you had to walk or, uh, you know, it's like I kept going and, and I turned, I got really negative and I used self-talk and I said, it's okay. There's probably lots of people running through. I actually, that, that was one thing I wanted to mention too. This section, even on my mountain bike, there was a couple of sections that were really muddy and really sandy. And I had a couple of clients at most clients, like everyone sort of fell at some point cause it got really slippy and slidey. And a lot of people had to walk with, they weren't on a mountain bike cause they were you know, on gravel bikes. And this was like very uh, tricky and in just a couple short sections, really like steep climb that got sandy or muddy. Uh, but most people hit the deck just a little bit at some point. <laughs> and one client was like, oh, yeah, I fell over and it, you know, really bummed me out. And I was like, I think I fell three times uh, in that section. Right. And so it's it's sort of switching around that like everyone's falling. Matthew Vanderpool fell in the Olympics. The you know one of the greatest cyclists we have, uh, you know, completely bailed in the Olympics. Right. So it happens to everyone. And, and the thing is how quickly you can get back on track mentally and physically and mechanically in my case this past weekend, um, you know, and, and start rolling. Right. And these challenges are, are just small little challenges along the way. Love it. All right. That is a good place to end. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you what you thought of this episode. If there are more topics you'd like to hear us tackle, you can find us over at consummateathlete.com. We have a contact form on there. You can DM us over on Instagram at consummateathlete. Uh, And yeah, if you want more on goal setting and sort of how to think through your season's 
your next season goals, you can grab our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete. We have tons of goal setting worksheets and fun stuff in there. So definitely check those out. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you have an amazing week. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete and we will see you next week. <laughs>